Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello, friends. I'm so excited about this week's episode here on the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to speak with Joe Saxton this week. Joe is a passionate pastor and church planter, an international speaker, a gifted teacher, a powerful leadership coach and consultant, and she really loves to work with younger leaders and women leaders in the church and in the community. Joe co-hosts the Lead Stories podcast. She also chairs the board of 3D Movements and has written several books, including her latest, which was just released, entitled The Dream of You. Joe and her husband, Chris, live in Minneapolis with their daughters. And on this week's episode, Joe and I discuss the importance of self-care as ministry leaders and the reality that we often make caring for others a priority, but neglect caring for ourselves. Joe also shares about two areas we encounter in our life journeys, the wilderness and the valley. And she touches on the difference between the two and how both help us experience our true identity in Christ. Joe really helps us dig below the surface as ministry leaders and offers some excellent insights. So let's jump in to my conversation with Joe Saxton. Joe, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for joining us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Excellent. Now, Joe, you are very passionate about training and developing leaders to really live into their God-given potential. And and with that, you're involved in many activities that we all kind of recognize they're meaningful for developing leaders, right? So you you travel and you speak at conferences and other events. You write books. Uh, In fact, your latest book, The Dream of You, has recently been released. You Mm -hmm. co-host the Lead Stories podcast. So you're involved in many of these sort of larger scope activities that help train and inspire leaders and and God has used you in amazing ways. Uh, But as you know, most of our listening audience here at church leaders, they're not traveling the country and presenting at conferences. They're not publishing books. They don't have their own podcast, but they're doing something that you and I both know is incredibly significant. It's incredibly valuable. They're pastoring a local church. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And Joe, you You two are a pastor. You've planted a church. Uh, You've served churches of different sizes and different contexts. So you know and live the life of a local pastor. So I kind of want to dig in a bit. Can you share with our pastors what you have experienced, what you've learned when it comes to leadership development in the local church? You know, how, how important is it and what have you found to be effective yeah, gosh. Um, I first, I think the first thing I would say is, I think first of all, if I could visually do it, I'd just stand and clap. <laughs> I just stand and do a, a standing O on that one because it's no small thing. Whatever the size, the demands it takes on us, and the oppor- it's a privilege and an opportunity, but it is demanding. And I think there's been one particular thread throughout my ministry years. I my first ministry like paid job was a, as a youth pastor and then a college pastor and it went from there. And I think if there's been something that I keep on coming back to it's that we live and we love and we lead from the inside out. And so I think it's important that we reflect on how we're doing on the inside. And the good thing is we don't have to go to a conference for that. We don't have to have a certain financial income to do that. But I think it's instrumental in our leadership. When I've seen the great 
in leadership and the very difficult and the and the very damaging in leadership or encountered those things, it's often been, well, I'd say it's always been <laughs> on account of how healthy that leader is mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And I would ask us as leaders to pay attention to how we nurture those things. Sometimes when we think of leadership development, and rightly so, we think of the skill sets and how we can improve and do better, better systems, better processes, and those are wonderful things. But I also think it's important that we attend to our internal life and not just our devotional life, although that's a wonderfully important thing too. I would just ask, how are you? <laughs> how are you really? Because someone who is always looking after everybody else can find themselves very easily not taking care of themselves. Yeah, and those things build up over time. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's so true. And I think so many of us as pastors and ministers, you know, that resonates because, uh, as you mentioned, we – we oftentimes, you know, our calling is to 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 serve Christ and to serve His church, and in doing that, we find ourselves um, expending energy and time and heart, right, and love towards so many others and, and caring yeah. for so many. And yet, the idea of self care, as you've stated, is so very important um, because it's it's challenging for us to really lead others well if we're not in a a, a good, healthy place ourselves, right? Absolutely. I was, I'm reminded of one of, um, when I was at Bible college, I'm about 18 and I was talking to my mentor and I said, how do you do this? How do you talk to people every day? And he, and you never know what you're going to hear and you never know what you're going to do. And she talked about how she had other people, but she said, you know, you do hear things that really hit your heart or trigger your own story. And so she said, in, even in between each appointment, she would sit down and pray and say, God, Take away how, like, I, no, not even take away. I give you how I feel about what I've just heard. I give you the images it's brought up in my mind, the way it's triggered things within me. And because she was aware that her own defensive mechanisms would come in and that would filter into her advice um, because of her own story and her own journey. And I, and I think I'm just aware of what we take on. And, and we're happy to do so because that's part of our service. It's just that in our service, we need to think through how we lay down things as well and how, how that impacts when we go home, whether we're going home to a spouse, family, roommates or whatever, to be thinking through what's the impact of this job on my life? What does it do for my energy levels? How does it impact how I spend my time? What do I do on a great day? How does it make me feel? What does it do on a bad day? How does that make me feel? And how do I live that out? Do I eat more than I need to? Do I drink in ways that are unhealthy for me? Do I over-exercise? Do I under-do those things? Do I lose myself in Netflix? What are the coping mechanisms for the, the sheer load of the things that I do? And, um, and I just think that's a crucial thing for us as leaders because the Lord loves us as well. We're his kids. Yeah, you right, know, and right. he, cares, he cares about our well-being and he's given us this wonderful privilege opportunity, but he didn't give it to us to burn us out. He gave it to us in partnership with him who's renewing all things. And um, I, I think in the busyness of life and just with priorities and those of us who often have a default towards over responsibility can miss out on the fact that it's not selfish to engage with um, your own wholeness. It actually equips you for a marathon instead of you using your energy and your passion to equip you for a sprint. That's good. That, that's really good. Uh, so, Joe, tell me, what are some practices that you have found helpful to maintain balance and to mm -hmm. kind of keep a healthy perspective and, and self-care as a minister? Are there specific practices that you found helpful? Yeah, there are. Um, and they vary on the continuum of things you financially pay for and things that you can do for free, <laughs> which <laughs> is always, which is helpful, you know, right, right. 
that's a big part of it. This one has been one since I was leading as a single woman, accountability. Um, having somebody who can ask me any question they want, no matter how awkward it makes me feel. I feel like as leaders, we have a different relationship with mentors than we do with peers. And so I try to have accountable relationships in both areas. You know, um, uh, so who are you accountable to? Like on a mentoring level, who can speak into your life, speak into your leadership, but who do you have who's kind of standing at your side, peer to peer on those sorts of things? And people who can ask you, how are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you... Um, working, how you living, are you doing too many hours? Do you need to confront stuff? Um, and people who aren't just there to hold your hand and they're not just there to get angry on your behalf. You, right, right. You know? <laughs> but people who will pray with you, who will love you, who will invite you into close relationship, who will challenge you when they need to. I think that's been a really important practice in my life. And I tell you, I've always felt really vulnerable when I don't have it. Mm. I felt exposed in some way. I want people to be able to say, hey, what are you doing? And, and how's it going? And I don't like to have secrets. Like there's nothing in my story that some, that's got to be a surprise to where I mean, there'll be things that will be a surprise to somebody, but there, there's nothing that's hidden. Right. And I because I think that just keeps us known and it keeps us from the accusations that shame can sometimes bring to us. So I think that's been a really helpful practice that I'm regularly. And there have been times when I've done that formally where a friend of mine would get together and pray once a week. We'd had three hours together and five minutes, about five minutes was praying, to be honest. Right. And about three hours was talking. And it, and honestly, that was necessary because we could mask things in our prayers mm. that we couldn't when you asked each other questions, you know, and, and, um, and you needed that time and, and someone who you felt safe enough to weep with to um, just be really raw and know and that that was in your life, I think is a huge, huge thing. So that's one of the practices. Another practice for me is that I retreat regularly. I have a monthly retreat and in different seasons of life, that's looked different. Um, when I was single, it was easier to do. When, I, when my children were younger, it was very, very hard to do. I had to um, work out, me and my husband would work out how we would both retreat. He's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. So we, we had to work it out in different ways for us as well. Um, but I found for me to have a retreat space, and I, I do it within school hours, um, so between nine and two before the kids come home from school, I just have this retreat day. And it's open my – no one um, knows where I am <laughs> except my sister knows where I am. But, um, and my husband knows where I am. But no, do you know what I mean? No one can drop in on me. Right, right. No one can drop in on me. No one can call me unless I choose to take a call. I just it's it's kind of sacred space and sacred time. And I've used it for different things. There have been times when it's just been pure prayer and listening. Sometimes it's just been weeping in a particular hard time. Sometimes it's been sleeping. But it's at this place where I go and retreat. Um, sometimes it's been catching up on a last minute project. You know, there's grace for that in the midst of it. I just needed to pull away. But right. that rhythm of pulling away has been a really helpful practice. And sometimes it's a room in a friend's place. And so it doesn't cost you anything. You just need to be away from your place so that you're not thinking of all the things you need to do in your house. Do you know, right, <laughs> you know right. I mean? and, and sometimes it's a retreat center or something like that, or where you've made a, a contracted thing. Um, those, so that those things help me. I, I commit to working out what I'm reading. Now, I, I, I'm a kind of intermittent reader in that I, I mean, I love to read. I just have a lot of things going on. So there are particular magazines. And what I'm doing is I'm investing in my own intellectual development. Right. And I think that's the key thing. And that just, and, and actually that keeps me healthy because boredom is not good for me. Do you know what I mean? Boredom, boredom makes me meddle. Boredom makes me wander in my head and stuff. So I like, to, I don't like to overfill my mind, but I just like to stimulate it, keep it stimulated in healthy ways. So those are some, those are just like a few of the practices over the years 
that have that have helped me. I tell you one other thing that I'm learning to do right now, that is a practice, and I, and I remember reading about it first in the celebration of disciplines and stuff. Um, is the discipline of celebration of actually sitting down and enjoying what God has given us. Uh, Rather, I'm way too good at saying, okay, that's done. Move on to the next thing. Move on to the next thing. And it's like, hold on a second. You know, the people of God had what they called the Ebenezers, the, the, the stone of help, which would mark how far God had brought them. They had parties, these festivals where they'd eat and drink for days and days, recognizing what God has done. Because it's important to remember. It's important to actively remember how God has helped you. Um, because it builds your faith, it encourages you when you feel weak, and it actually nurtures your soul in some way, rather than always feel you're on the achievement trajectory uh, or the failure trajectory. And it's like, okay, we're not we're not finished, and we're uh, we're lifelong learners, we're disciples, we're a work in progress. But you know what? That went well, and I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna celebrate that, and I'm gonna celebrate that with my team, and I'm gonna celebrate that with my loved ones, and I'm gonna celebrate that with me and the Lord. And and I think it's just been it's been. Sometimes it's felt too worldly to do that. Sometimes a scarcity mindset has made me run away from doing that. But I've realized it's been so good for me to take time to celebrate how far the Lord has brought me. I'm embarrassed. I love that. I love that. That's such a great reminder, too, because I, I think what you've said is so true. And it's I think it's true for a lot of us, um, especially in the culture in which we live. You know, we live in a culture that's um, that focuses on production. Right. So yeah. so you're going after something, you get something and you're like, OK, done. Now what? And uh, but to to pause and to reflect and to celebrate and to just experience that like this is what God has done this is what you know He invited me into and and the joy of that I think is something that that I I would agree that all too often we just kind of skip over that one you know yeah <laughs> and uh, that's a great one great one thank you for sharing those those are those are very very helpful I think you said something early in the very very kind of beginning of our conversation and I want to kind of return to that. You said something along these lines, and Joe, feel free to correct me if if I've if I missed you. But you said that we we lead, we live, and we love, you know, from within, right? From yeah. who we are within, right? And I know that that uh, that that is kind of a heartbeat of this new book that you have uh, released, "The Dream of yeah. You." And mm-hmm. I I just love the way you said that: lead, live, and love from within, because really. It's hard to do any of those things when we when we don't really know who we are and we we don't have a good understanding of our own identity. And I know in this book you really address the fact that for us in life, often we have a broken identity um, because yeah. of our experiences, right? Because of what we've been through, because of maybe what people have spoken into our lives, and that and that really your heart is to help people kind of. Uh, release those those broken identities that we sometimes cling to and really find and discover and live out God's true identity for us, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, I mean, the book emerged over a period of time or the idea for the book emerged over a period of time when I was speaking at events and meeting with leaders and meeting with um, congregation members, mothers, fathers, doctors, whatever, and and seeing this common thread of people who are really passionate and wanting to do the right thing by the Lord who wanting to live for him, do something for him, but feeling held back and the tension of feeling held back or the embarrassment of feeling held back and thinking I couldn't possibly serve the Lord in this way because of this part of my story or where I'm at in my journey or these things, which were definitive in their lives. And, um, and we're having such a huge impact. And I guess in the book, I asked the question, who were you before anybody told you what you were supposed to be? And who were you before anyone said, 
what um, you were meant to be. And I think the oughts and shoulds of our culture, our past, our sometimes our denominational experiences, all of those things can, um, sometimes they can be a blessing, but sometimes they can really define us and label us in such a way we cannot move forward. And as I looked at people and talked to them, I thought, what isn't happening because we're held back by a broken identity? What NGOs are not being started? What churches aren't being planted? What church leadership initiatives are not happening because such is the impact of these um, besetting broken identities. We're not free because a healthy identity gives rise to a vibrant purpose. Um, the more whole we are, like free people, free people. It's that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so I, I think it, it got me thinking as well. A- alongside that, we often look at leaders and assume so many things. You know, I think I'm assumed to be way more intelligent than I am. I think that's an accent thing, really. I think I'm assumed... <laughs> <laughs> to be way more together than I am because of what my current roles are, what my current functions are, when actually there's always been a journey for all of us. And I and so part of it was wanting to encourage people to say, look, I don't know what God has for you, but I do know that the these broken pieces of our lives, um, these experiences, these relationships, these moments or eras that have defined us, as we place them in God's hands, we can find a greater freedom to move into what he has for us. And um and, you know, there's a bit in Proverbs, I think it's 423, where it says, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And heart in the Hebrew is um, lev, I think the word is, and cardia in the Greek. And it's, and it's more than our feelings. We know that it refers to our will, our intellect, our very core. And, um, and one of the ways that we can guard our hearts rather than be defensive and hide away is to make sure it's whole and um is to be proactive about it rather than protective in a defensive stance, to be protective in a proactive way. What does it look like to have a healthy heart? And again, it's looking at what the things that have affected our mindset, our worldview, that have almost kind of calcified in such a way they've almost become who we are. And we have to ask ourselves, is that who we really are, though, or is that who we've become on account of living? And I know for many people in ministry, you know, some of our formative experiences weren't wonderful. Uh, and for all <laughs> That's kinds right. of reasons, you right. know. Some of the things that people have said to us, some of the expectations of others have lingered and they drive us into our next job, or our next position where we're never going to be like that again or we're never going to encounter that again or uh, things have impacted us in such in particular ways. And I wanted to find a way for us to begin to process that a little and give ourselves permission to for, to recognize that the broken pieces are broken, but also self give up, recognize that under the grace of God, they don't have to stay broken. They can be redeemed. Amen. That's good. You know, one, one of the things I really enjoyed about the book is that you you really take your readers on a journey, right? I mean, it's mm. it's 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 progressive throughout the book, yeah. and and one of the things I mean, you're you're actually quite vulnerable because um, you're sharing your own journey, which I really yeah. appreciated because you know we're digging into you know th- this topic of the journey, and then your own story is just interwoven, and it really helps you know take it from being kind of the- theoretical, you know, stuff to to real life and gives me or, or the reader an opportunity to kind of reflect on our own lives, you know, across that journey. And and there were two chapters yeah. um, that I'd really like to to spend a little time in our conversation yeah, sure. to dig into a, a bit more deeply. The first deals with the wilderness and then the following mm. chapter focuses on life in the valley. Yeah. So let's start with the wilderness. So Joe, in regard to the wilderness, you write the following. The wilderness confronts you with a clear choice. When you're under pressure, will you exchange longed-for redemption for the old ways of life? Will the wilderness transform you or tear you apart? 
Can you talk to us a bit about the importance and value of these wilderness experiences, uh, you know, especially in light of our lives as ministers, you know, serving, serving the church? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, that big, that chapter really began in my twenties. I remember doing a, a, just in my own personal devotional time, doing a study of leaders in the Bible and seeing this common thread that they had this kind of amazing call, like Joseph having these great dreams or David being anointed by Samuel. And then they'd have these years where they had the very opposite of what was promised, the very opposite. Right. And these devastating times that you see, you would see would fashion things in their characters. You know, Joseph is has these dreams of him being this great leader and he ends up enslaved and abused. David has this this anointing for kingship and he ends up as a fugitive. And what and you know the people of God are brought out of the out of Egypt and they have this devastating era in the wilderness and and I think what's so instructive for us uh, I think for us as leaders is there is this call and it's very easy particularly in a quick fix culture that we have where we have instant things to think well I've been called and so now let's go and get mine. I'm gifted. I'm talented. But this wilderness process can be as we lead in churches, as we lead in ministries, challenging things in our lives, which don't go easily, you know, which don't leave us easily, but they expose what we're about. So we see it even with, I mean, obviously the best example is Jesus in the wilderness, you know, where these tempting questions or propositions are made to him again and again, which get at the core of his very being, where the enemy is like, if you're the son of God, or since you're the son of God, depending on, on how you read the text, and it exposes these things. And I think that is true for us as leaders, that we have this sense of call. And then where are the glory days now? And when you, you feel like you're wandering, and you're not really sure. But actually, on one level, we could just look at the landscape and think, this is not what I signed up for. This is terrible. But I, and, and that's an important thing to do, to observe. But I think for us as leaders, there's something in saying, what is this revealing in me? And what does God want to do with what it's revealing in me? What does it reveal about my expectations? What does it re- reveal about who I am under pressure? What does it reveal about who I am when life doesn't go my way? When, when the prayers aren't? aren't answered. Is God still good even in the wilderness? Is God still calling me even in the wilderness? When this, I mean, for Joseph, what was it, 15, 20 years between the dreams and it actually happening? David, 10, 15 years between the anointing and him becoming king. And, And there's a refining where God has an opportunity to get to our characters, but it's a, it's through the broken pieces. And, and we're confronted with, well, what are you going to do with this now? Do you, will you be defined by disappointment? Will the heart sickness derail you or will you cling um, even though there's nothing, there's no, you don't even know when it's going to stop. And um, I found that so many of us um, need, almost need to go back to that theological motif that we see a lot in, in the Bible of at that wilderness encounter where it feels like God is far away. It feels like God's promises are even further, <laughs> even further away. And we're just dealing with it because things grow in the wilderness. In David's wilderness, we see him marry a lot, even though we know that they knew that the king wasn't supposed to, you know, Um, (laughs) we see him um, and we see him wrestling. But we also see him gathering all these people around him as well. In Joseph, we see that he in in his wilderness era, shall we say, he he prospers and he does well, but he's also betrayed and accused and all those sorts of things. And I think as I reflected on it and reflected on that era, it was when it was our first decade, I guess, in some, well, actually it's probably a bit longer than that of us living in the States. I had such high hopes, you know, I'd felt called to the States when I was a teenager and I was finally here 
and nothing was going the way I thought. It wasn't always bad. You know, I had my children in that time. It was wonderful. But there was this, God, um, about the calling thing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still happening? Because I could have my children in my family. I could do it somewhere else, you know. Right. Um, if this isn't you, would be good to know. And um, But I think the wilderness does bring us to the end of ourselves. And, and that's where we need to be, particularly as leaders. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think some things you mentioned there about the fact that we are so kind of accustomed in our culture for things to happen so quickly. Yeah. Uh, right. And I, I think that's I, I know for me in my own journey, you know, I, I had that wilderness experience. And for me, it was really helping me understand uh, one patience um, and then two, just really trusting God as opposed to trusting what I could kind of figure out on my own. Yeah. And I think the wilderness does that because we find ourselves in a place where we can't make it happen, you know? Yeah. Right. We, we have to, to depend upon God and how he's at work and his timeline as opposed to ours and how we'd like to see it come to pass. Yeah. I agree. And I think sometimes we don't even know what our expectations are until they're not met. Oh, you know, yeah. we don't we don't realize the pervasiveness and of kind of naturally observed expectations because we went to that event and we saw these other people and it happened like that for them. Or we heard about this other church and 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 then and we're looking at our lives and looking at our world and looking at our marriages or our parenting and thinking, whoa, this isn't the same. Right. And, and in that moment when it's not met, you're like, wow. Actually, I, I don't know. I didn't realize how much this mattered until things didn't go the way I way I'd hoped. Yeah, that that's so so profound. That's so true. Okay, so we got the wilderness experience. Mm-hmm. Then you next take your readers to the valley, and mm-hmm. and you differentiate the valley from the wilderness, right? The wilderness seems to be more of a time of trying and testing, but the valley, it looks like that's you know when we face kind of a greater crisis when something just kind of falls apart or it doesn't come together as we expected. And, and there's this moment where we're like, okay, we're not just in the wilderness facing some challenges. We're now mm-hmm. in the valley, you know, things kind of bottomed out. Yeah. And as, as we know, pastors and mystery leaders, they encounter seasons in their lives when they are definitely find themselves in the valley. Mm. So what encouragement do you have for um, a ministry leader who might be listening right now um, that, that here she had been faithfully serving, pressing on, and then she finds herself in, in one of these valley experiences. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, I mean, I don't love the valley, but what I love about it and what I've learned to, what I've learned to love about it is, as you say, it's, it's when things bottom out and when you're completely undone. And I think what I've realized is that we don't have to rush in that space, there are things to look at. I was struck by the, the, the biblical story I talk about in that moment is Ezekiel and him in the Valley of Dry Bones and how God walks him along the floor of the valley. They just keep on walking and walking. And I think, again, our propensity is like, if this is a tough time, get over it. And um, God doesn't ask him to get over it. He walks with him in it. And I think my first encouragement would be that when we walk in our valley of dry bones and when we're beyond, almost like then beyond the end of yourself, that that God is present, that the spirit of God is with you. And I would encourage us, um, denial's not good for any of us, you know, (laughs) pretending something isn't there, pretending we're over something we're not. Well, it it just becomes damaging in the end. So I think my encouragement, first of all, my my first encouragement is God is with you. My second one is take your time in there. Mm. Take the time you need. 
and get the result. For me, my, my my first moments in the valley were to, were in relation to bereavement, loss in terms of professionally, and then very rapidly after um, losses in my family. And and grief isn't something you necessarily get over. It's something you go through. And I, and again, for us as leaders, we know all this stuff. We're very good at doing this for other people. We're very good at talking about this for other people. We will encourage them to get the help they need. Right. Whilst we ourselves somehow think we can get up after a miscarriage in our family. We can get up after a job loss, you know, and particularly after job losses. I think I've noticed or, or a, you know, job loss or transition, whichever way you want to call it. But, <laughs> but I think I think in those moments, I think we forget the impact those things have on our souls and our hearts on our hopes and things. And so I would I would encourage you to recognize that sometimes you can't pick yourself up. Even if you've been excellent at picking everybody else up, right. sometimes you can't. So have you got those relationships? Have you got those environments where someone can walk through the valley with you and help you to your feet? And you might be numb for a long time. You might not have words for a long time. I, I, I used to go to a lake um, that was frozen over as my way of grieving because it was the best thing that could articulate how I felt. I was numb. I was cold. Everything was beyond anything I could possibly feel and, and in, the, in the midst of such grief. And I mean, at the end of the day, we church leaders are human. So um, we are going to be impacted even when it's, you know, even when someone's come to the end of their life and they were elderly and they've lived a long life and you're, you know where they're going. That doesn't stop you grieving. It doesn't stop you missing them. Um, it doesn't stop the valley being real. And uh, I think sometimes as leaders, we need to give voice to the valley, our own valleys and our own valley experience and admit they're there. I, I've, I remember hearing sometimes when I talk to leaders about what they're going through and you hear why. And I'm like, you know, I'm really not surprised you're finding it very hard to sleep right now because everything is happening. Or, right. um, And I, I want to encourage us as leaders, whether we give ourselves room for things like counseling when, when it's needed, mm -hmm. whether we give ourselves room for, for things like a visit to the doctor, because actually you, you're not having a bad day. You're not having a mad, a bad month. You're waking up every day and the day seems numb and gray and, and it doesn't seem to change, you know, and your moods and you're frightened by some of your thoughts and things like that. I want to ask if you give yourself room in the middle of that valley to go or have someone take you to a doctor to see if you need some medication alongside the holistic help you need to rebuild your life. And on one level, we, we would never stop anybody from doing that for some because right, we do that for right, somebody else. Right. We'd serve them in that way. We'd want that for them. We'd want them to not feel ashamed or afraid. Um, we'd want them to know, hey, take the space you need. We'd do that for our team members even. But for ourselves, um, somehow we're supposed to be superheroes <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. and have it all together all the time. So I, 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 would, I would say if you're in the valley – I don't know about whether you're supposed to be there. or I, I don't know that. I just know the valleys exist. Right. Valleys happen. Um, whether we're supposed to be there and all that, you know, honestly, yeah, maybe the Lord will bring a great story out of it. I would have rather had the people who I love stay alive, you know? Right, I, right, I, right. I, I, don't, I don't care about the stories. Find another story. And sometimes we can even use those things as ways of almost deflecting the fact that we have to feel something about them. Mm. We think of the big overarching purpose of what it means to be able to share that story one day when actually in that valley, you're still God's kid, right? You're still his child and you still need him to be him with you. And I, I would encourage us um, to think through and give space and voice to what that might mean for you. The Bible is full of lament, very honest, raw laments. And uh, maybe, maybe that's a biblical practice we could pick up. That's so solid. And, 
And I think it's, it's so true what you're saying again, that oftentimes when we're going through those experiences, we're looking to, you know, what we, what we, you know, preach and teach and what we try to encourage others is, you know, like, Hey, you know, God's working all things out, um, for good. And, you know I mean? So, and so we're trying to, you know, almost move beyond that, um, that grief, you know, move out of that grief and, you know, try to get to the redemption story really, really yeah. quickly, as opposed to, like you're saying, we are God's children and he is walking us through very intentionally, you know, and he's present and yeah. he's, he's never in a rush, you know what I mean? He, totally. He's right. Like he, like he knows our, our hearts and he knows us as his children and that's his care and concern and sometimes we don't give ourselves permission or allow ourselves the time to process through that valley experience because we're trying to, you know, pull it together and climb out of that valley and celebrate the, you know, the the story on the other side, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the story on the other side may may well come, but it may be a way away. Right. You know, and um and I, I think in that moment, it's time to not think about the story. Like the, we know our Redeemer lives and we know the ending. So right. that's wonderful. But in that moment, it, it may be it may be important to be present with what is actually happening and recognize God is there, too. Yes. So good. So good, Joe. Uh, like I said, I, I've so appreciated um, your book, The Dream of You, the way that you just, you know, it's just that journey and just you just walk the readers through that journey and. And um, absolutely love it. Encourage everyone to to pick up a copy uh, for themselves. And there, and it's one of those books that that you read. And as you're reading it, it's important for you. But but uh, you know, my mind was going to um, a couple other people I really care about in my life. That you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'd love to get this book into their hands as well. So um, it's just one of those one of those types of books. So thank you for for sharing that with us. Um, if listeners wanted to get in touch with you and uh, learn more from you, uh, learn more from your ministry, where can they go? How can they, how can they connect in, in, in those types of things? Oh yes. Well, social media wise, um, just at Joe Saxton, uh, will take you to Twitter or Instagram places. I populate probably more than I should, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is fun. Yes, and, yes. um, and Facebook, um, those will be places. And in terms of websites, joesaxton.com, um, would be a good landing point as well. Okay. Um, and yeah, those would be great spaces. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and your podcast? Oh gosh, you know I nearly forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steph will Steph will get, remind me of that. <laughs> I forgot. Um, it's called Lead Stories. Um, there's a Dream of You podcast as well. Just one series that accompanies the book that with some stellar interviews. And I say that on account of the interviewees, not myself. Have <laughs> 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 the interviewees about some of the themes around the book. But yes, Lead Stories is what um me and my friend Steph O'Brien we inhabit that, and that and both podcasts are available wherever you normally get your podcasts. So yeah, we just taught leadership and life on that one. Excellent, excellent, and and I do want to emphasize because I did see that I haven't listened to him, I haven't had the opportunity to listen to him, but I did see that you did do a a podcast with a series of episodes around your new book, The Dream of You, right? So that's the yes. Dream of You podcast. So you guys yep. can check that one out as well. Very exciting, encouraging stuff. Uh, well, Joe, I just want to thank you again for making time to be with us and the church leaders audience and so thankful for what you've shared. Some very meaningful things I think will be very encouraging to our pastors and our ministry leaders. So thank you for making the time to be with us. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. 
I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.